ladies and gentlemen. Pacific Town Sound Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm James. And I'm Travis. And welcome to Pacific Sound Radio. For the, those of you tuning in for the first time, we're all about local music, and we aim to provide a platform for all the weird and wonderful bands and artists that make up the Vancouver music scene to share their stories, songs, and unique personalities. For this week's installment of Pacific Sound Profile, just one second here. We will be speaking with Andrew Thank Bowers, you. a local DJ, producer, and musicologist, hailing from the misty shores of Newfoundland. And then later on the program, we will hear from Old Soul Rebel, featuring singer-songwriter, guitarist Chelsea D.E. Johnson, and vocalist banjo player Lola White. We first connected with Chelsea at the Locals Lounge Showcase in February, and we were absolutely blown away by her, perf- by her performance. I uh, think her vocals literally almost blew me away. Yeah. And, uh, so powerful. They might blow up the count console, so you're going to have to keep an eye on the levels. <laughs> yes, it's I It's going to be great. So for our Pacific Sound profile this week, we are talking with a local DJ, producer, and musicologist who got his start back in 2003, originally working remixing songs from video games and before moving on to bootleg remixes and mashups in 2006 he has a master's in musicology from oxford university and has recently been running his own show called sweet with heat on anchor fm please welcome andrew bowers thank you so much for having me it's a real pleasure to be here yeah glad to have you on andrew um so what led you to pursue a career in the music industry specifically in producing and dj stuff well it goes all the way back to kind of starting with music in a young age uh, taking lessons with kind of piano and keyboard in high school I played alto saxophone in the high school band eventually picking up uh, electric guitar acoustic guitar just trying everything like I, I think I even played like drums in elementary school for like one year um, but once once 2003 rolled around that's when I really dove into DJ and production and my introduction with that was really more with um, I don't even know what to really call it. It's a step down from even consumer-level software. It's almost like toys. There was something called the Mixman DM2. It was this plastic controller that hooked up to your computer and let you um, mix together pre-recorded loops. Eventually, I tried one called EJ, which was, again, just all pre-recorded material that you could mix and match and play with things. And eventually, one of my friends said, hey, I know you're really into this. You should try the software called Reason. And that was the first time I've experimenting with like professional level kinds of tools i had no idea like there was no tutorials at the time youtube wasn't really a thing at that point to really discover how to use new software so with that it was very much self-taught i didn't even understand how midi really worked so i i had no midi keyboard i was painting with the pen tool individual notes for everything i was making i wasn't yeah i wasn't wasn't playing it by by you know traditional you know piano standards or anything like that i didn't even know how to import like existing midi because even back then people were sharing midi files of, the fa- of their favorite video game songs you know you could stuff that was just being posted in, like geo cities and stuff like that yeah so like super mario theme and midi and exactly like and you could pull like now the software works you can pull the that because it's just basically music code you can just mm. p- plug that into you know reason or ableton or most you know modern digital audio workstations it's easy to do now yeah and you know attach you know an instrument and boom you're off to off to the races but i didn't understand any of that so i was just listening to the original songs whether it was on my consoles or wherever i could find like mp3s and forcing myself to just listen really closely to the individual instruments so it's like okay there's the lead line and playing it over and over and over till i could transcribe it myself so i was really doing it the hardest way possible Mm -hmm. but paid dividends in understanding how to listen to music to dissect it and as i got into remixing it was um mainly uh i guess the first website that i really got into with with that was oc remix um the kind of like i think it's still around is like the main place for video game remix music and they were tough to break into because again at that time the internet was still young soundcloud wasn't a thing you couldn't easily just throw up an, a file on the internet to share and they didn't offer any hosting. So you had to really like pull strings to find out where you could upload a song. I think it was like 
maybe a few services like ZipShare or something, like all sorts of third were, party. Were you able to share music on MySpace at all, or was that even I, it? Yeah, I, I remember having a MySpace page, but I don't recall being able to download the songs. Like, mm. a, And you could only have, I think, so many. It was like yeah. four was the limit, because bandwidth, of course, was you know, mm-hmm. so expensive. So with, with OC Remix, they had very stringent and strict uh, vetting policies of what songs got into their database. So you would post to their forums, say, here's my track, and you know they would take a look at it and vote yay or nay if it was going to make it in. So the first one I submitted to share was for a song from the video game Half-Life 2. And when I submitted it to that service, they were like, you know, this just the quality, the polish isn't there. It's going to be a no from us. That was a little bit disappointing, but I knew that there were things I could go back and change. But the whole rigmarole of trying to get this song hosted and all the all those elements were just real barriers to entry. So then I discovered another service called VG Mix, and they really had it together of not only providing hosting, but they had a meta review process. So as you're uploading a work in progress, they would have users go in and provide critiques and feedback saying, hey, like, I think you could change up your baseline here. You know, this instrument's a little bit too tinny. Maybe try your EQ. Like, really, um, I never expected to get that level of, of kind of like technical feedback from them, which was really, really helpful when starting out. So, yeah, this remix uh, from Half-Life 2 ended up being hosted on that platform uh, and lived there for a while, had kind of moderate success just within that community, Eventually, the website closed. I think something happened. Uh, there was an exploit with something in their database code. I don't know what exactly the story is now. I'd have to go back and, and check it. But needless to say, the site disappeared, and I moved on to other things. I started uh, exploring mashups uh, probably around 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. Got really addicted to that for, for a few years and just kind of moved on with uh, with that kind of stuff. All, all this time being like, very much a hobby to the side of focusing on academia. So yeah. I, you know, this was through late later years of high school. Um, as I start to bring in more DJing elements, I'm starting to use Ableton more. That seems that's still my core software. I use more than anything for production. It's re- really Ableton or Logic. Now yeah. Well, okay, and Pro Tools as well. But those are like the three. They seem to be like the, the three titans. And, and I know a lot of people who got their start on Fruity Loops, and, yep. and there's still people who use like. I've heard of artists who still stick by like Sony Acid because that's what they started with and that's what they know and they can make great beats and honestly whatever software you use is the best one. Yeah, when before we transitioned to this radio show and Gene and I were just starting out, we were recording all our audio on Audacity, for example, right. as it's free. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Whatever whatever gets it started yeah. it works. So, yeah, um sorry, this, this history is so convoluted. So, yeah, so there there was the video game remixes, there was getting into mashups, and as I'm doing all this, I realize I'm just really fascinated with, you know, DJ culture, nightlife, remix culture, all these different elements. And I really wanted to weave them into what I was doing academically. Mm-hmm. So I started out thinking I was going to go into sound engineering. I thought I was going to go into hard sciences, do all the, like the physics and the maths during my bachelor's, and then go off to an engineering school of some kind. What I realized within the first couple of years was that those weren't my strengths. <laughs> my grades were steadily just kind of declining in those, but my writing skills like English and the things like sociology, anthropology, that stuff I really excelled at. So I shifted gears and started to explore how can I bring a music element into this? Like where does that exist within that part of academia? And so from there, it was just sort of circ- um, coincidental that uh, there was a new course being introduced at the university I was doing my bachelor's in that was a, uh, now it's called the Grenfell Campus of the Memorial University of Newfoundland. It was a new course called Religious Themes in Contemporary Songwriting. And through that, I discovered the realm of ethnomusicology, this idea of going out and studying other cultures, other um, ways people interact with music, and I just ate it up. I was, I was really lucky to get my hands on uh, a text about a guy who was going around to different raves and festivals and following groups of people to find out about how different religious themes were kind of coming about in these different uh, scenes. And I read this thinking, you can do this? Like, you can make a career going out and, um, you know, studying and learning about music in this way? Like, sign me up. What what do I have to do next? It, It almost sounds like, to me, using, I hope you... I hope you recognize both these examples. It's like 
Joseph Campbell meets Lester Bangs mm. almost. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Music journalism and like cultural cultural studies. Yeah. Like yeah. high academic cultural studies just smacking together. Absolutely. And and as I took those um those elements, those those backgrounds. So my bachelor's in is in uh, social cultural studies, which was a program that really just mashed up sociology and anthropology and folklore and like cross-examined the three disciplines and all these things and gave me all these great lenses in which to look at music and music culture and the people in music communities. And so once I got to Oxford, I really started uh, digging more into DJ culture insofar as I was very fortunate to get a residency at my um, my college's middle common room. It's kind of like a where all the like masters and postdoc graduates hang out, have parties and, and things like that. Uh, when I met the um, sort of like social committee who handle all the parties and stuff, I asked them, Hey, like I love the DJ as a hobby. Is there any opportunities with you guys? Maybe I could do a gig once in a while. And they said, thank you for asking. Both of our DJs just graduated. So we literally have no one right now. So this was at Oxford, yes, right? This was okay. at Oxford. So, so you were a DJ in Oxford. Yes, it yeah. was it was a really uh, really lucky time for me. I think it was every two weeks we had parties going on in these rooms. Now, how how did you decide and slash get into Oxford? I mean, Oxford is one of the best schools on the planet. A lot of luck, I would say. Well, okay, to be fair, I w- it was positioned to me as an option as I was finishing up my bachelor's. Um, numerous people came to me and said, "You've got the grades." give it a shot, like mm. shoot for the moon kind of thing. I thought, you know what, I'll, I haven't really thought about where I want to go next. There were a few schools that specialize in musicology in the States that I was still mulling over. So I thought, okay, the deadline's coming up for Oxford. I'll you know, get my application in there. If I don't make it, that's fine. I'll still have time to you know, figure out my next steps. If I get in, great. And even before I finished graduating, I got the acceptance letter. So literally the first place I apply for, I get in. Like, that's, that isn't lucky. I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> So with that, um, and, and the thing too, what, what one of my main concerns going in was that, you know, so much of my background was more in sociology and anthropology, not strictly, you know, music and music theory and those kinds of things. So I, I did, you know, position to the people I was applying to saying, is this going to be an issue? You know, do you have you know, supplemental courses I can take? What, what options are there for me? And he said, given the nature of the program, you know, we'll cross those bridges if we come to them. But, you know, with my background and where I'm focusing in, that shouldn't be too much of an issue because they break up their music program into kind of like three sub-pillars. There's musicology, which is what I did, but also composition and performance. And what was really cool is that they mixed those up in, in a certain way as well. I would have plenty of courses where it was strictly musicology, but there would be courses where they would bring all the students from all these sub-disciplines together to just exchange opinions on text, just to see like, okay, someone who has more of a composition ba- composition background is going to have a much different perspective on this text from someone who has to perform it versus someone like me who's studying from musicology, from you know thinking about the cultural components and things like that. And that's one of the things I loved about Oxford was this real blending of you know cross-discipline kind of nature the whole the whole campus is decentralized so you're going just uh, you know up and down different streets to corridors to get the different uh, um you know faculties oh so the 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 campus is set up in a way where it's very much integrated into the city absolutely okay and that's that was that offered so many great opportunities to meet people from other disciplines Mm -hmm. and so you know, you you go to your your class um, when it's wrapping up. Most often, you're still discussing with other people about you know the topic of of the class, and someone often suggests, "Hey, do you want to go to a pub? Because there's always a pub around the there's corner." Always a pub. And so you would go there, and you would happen to meet other people, whether it was like friends of friends or just people who just happened to be there. And the topic would then bring in a direction of like I'm trying to think of an example. But basically, we'd be talking from something music-related, and then there's a neurobiologist who just happens to be there, and he's like, oh, you know, that's kind of interesting. From my perspective, I see this element. And then you get someone from, you know, from an English lit- literature background who can cite something else. And just that level of extreme of exchange of different ideas was probably one of the best aspects of Oxford that I absolutely loved. I mean, that's really what universities supposed to be all about, is the free exchange of ideas through different disciplines yeah and yeah also just f- figuring things out and 
going through all sorts of different topics. When it comes to, I guess I'm just kind of getting a handle on the timeline here. So you go through Oxford and you get your master's. Mm -hmm. When did you start your micro podcast, your first show called uh, Hashtag Anchor Free Radio? And what was that show about? Right. So that was 2016. So I moved to Vancouver in 2013. Okay. Um, So I... So, yeah, I would have graduated Oxford 2011, moved back to Newfoundland briefly uh, before moving with my girlfriend to Halifax for about a year, worked at Apple, and then moved here to Vancouver. Mm. And so that was a – I kind of just stumbled into this app called Anchor. It was on iOS. They were still in – not really in beta, but they were still pretty early on when they launched. It was like January or February of 2016. And they were – the format at that time was very much – I would equate to something like Twitter or maybe an online forum, but you don't type, you record your voice. Uh, so you would just leave these little like recordings. Uh, I think you could, I think it was two minutes was your time length for your initial post. And then every response people could post after that could only be one minute. So it was this really unique way of learning to practice recording. Like before that, I was so nervous about how my voice sounded on any recording. Like I never recorded my own vocals prior to this. I still hate the sound <laughs> of my voice. It's so, it's so hard to get used to, yeah. but what really helped about using this app is that it forced me to listen critically to my own recordings. I picked up on the little nuances of how I speak so I could speak more eloquently to the content I was sharing. Cut out the ums and ahs. Yeah, you become more aware of, uh, of that as you go. And so it was a little while into it that I saw other users using hashtag anchor free radio to try sharing music. And I thought, that's really cool. I would love to do that. But at that point, I only knew how to record just holding my, you know, the microphone on my phone up to a sound source. And so mm-hmm. the recording would sound terrible. It was just tinny and muffled. And you know, that's no way to share like a, a song a I really love. A tape loved. recording of a radio. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I stumbled across another user named um, Babuda or Bob Utah. There's inner caps in, the, uh, in that. And he had just high quality recordings of all this audio where he was manipulating his voice and bringing in samples. And I was like, how are you doing that? Like what, what setup do you have that you were able to get into the app? And so he put together a guide of some equipment. It was as more straightforward than I realized, but he had basically an analog to digital converter. So he would hook up his computer and his microphone to this little box that would plug directly into his phone. And that would basically be read from the phone as a microphone input. And so he could just get high quality audio directly into like he would have to tap record to start recording, um, but that was you know the easiest way to get this le- this quality of audio. So once I learned that, I almost immediately went out and bought the gear for myself. I think it was like you know fifty dollar piece of, of gear or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that really opened the doors to start um, experimenting with presenting music. So it really became a song of the day kind of show. Um, Monday to Friday, just one song. Um, I would usually. I think it was like something, sorry, I got to think for a second. I was doing it, working at a different job. I was doing um, merchandising for different stores, like putting in books and magazines, restocking stuff. And so I'd have extended breaks during the middle of the day between stores. I could come home, pick a song, bang out a recording, and go back to work again, which is really nice workflow for, for how it worked at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that was just something I just made a habit of every, almost every day, Monday to Friday, continually um, just sharing music I really loved. Sometimes, or most of the time, it was going through my back catalog of music that I had and really just taking the time to appreciate, like, which of this music do I really care about? Like, enough that I want to, like, dedicate some time and effort to. And more than just putting up the song apropos of nothing, I wanted to talk about why I liked it, like, to really get even more picky about, you know, these are the aspects about the song I really love, whether that's, you know, maybe elements of the melody or a chord progression or... Um, Less time, less often it's something lyrically. For some reason, it takes me a while to really appreciate lyrics. I had to listen to a song several times before I'll really pick up on it because the music element is always just the first thing for and, me. And sometimes there's great songs with kind of clunky, dumb lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, no offense, Anthony Kiedis, <laughs> are kind of guilty of that. So many great songs, but you listen to what, you concentrate really hard on what Anthony's saying, it's like, oh, meh, what? Oh, for, <laughs> for me, it, it, you know, so many kinds of dance songs can, oh, be, gosh. can be really just like very i want to have sex with you <laughs> or just it's just about very broad themes of yeah. dancing or love or whatever 
So yeah, and, and and trying to find opportunities to bring in my background, my academic background with musicology, or even just doing research, just that practice of digging into a song. What's the history behind it? Why did the, when and where did the artist record it? Is there any cool stories behind it? And being able to bring those little interesting factoids to the mix as well. And then, so you did that for a while, and then you transitioned to another podcast well, called Sweet with Heat. So what was that show about? Are you still running it? Like, what's the status of that show? Yeah, so that's that's a very new venture. I took basically a long-term break from Anchor, partly because I started a new full-time job, so that really had a big impact on the time I could dedicate to recording. Mm-hmm. As well as the app drastically changed what it really was. So it went from this very social, you know, everyone's just recording and chatting kind of platform to more of a podcast hosting initiative. So if you already had a podcast, uh, you can upload it to their platform now and they take care of distribution. I think the real way they benefit is that it puts their, you know, anchor brand or logo on a oh, lot of gotcha. your, okay. your materials. So that's kind so of they're basically of- now a hosting site. Yeah, and and there's still there are some interesting elements where you can call into other shows, so you can leave messages for other users who are hosting on the platform, and other and those users can then incorporate that into their shows that they want to. So there is still some elements of the old community style there, but not to the extent it once was. So I was kind of disappointed that the element changed, but the big thing for me was uh, a new feature they they introduced where they integrate Spotify and Apple Music. So you can go through those catalogs and pick virtually any song. I think there might be some region locking for access to some songs here or there. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you can feature 30-second previews of songs without any licensing issue. And so that opened up doors for for me for discovering so much music um, to just... It really got the speed up for just like I found a song. I have to worry about like you know buying it and then maybe looking into the rights for licensing it and all these or other. Getting elements. a nasty email from a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had you know I've I've you know explored that realm with getting into mashups. They were you know putting up mashups on SoundCloud had its own <laughs> own yeah. history of takedowns and things like that. But yeah, so so with Anchor at this point, it yeah it allowed me to a- have access to more music at at a faster speed to work with. But in reviewing um, the first three episodes I put together, I realized this still isn't the optimal format for what I'm trying to do. Because mm-hmm. really, those 30-second samples, you don't have any uh, control over you know, where in the song you're featuring. And for me, sometimes the be- best part of a song could be just the intro. Or maybe or some the other, outro. Or the outro or a breakdown. You, know, you want to highlight something specific. Mm-hmm. The audience isn't necessarily going to hear that unless they seek it out. So I was yeah. making a habit of saying, you know, if you want to listen to the full songs, if you don't have a premium subscription to Spotify or Apple Music, because if you do, you, you will hear the full version inside the app. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would make the playlist available as like a link so they could go listen to it. But that's really cumbersome. Like that's yes. that's an extra level of effort that I'm asking for the audience. That, hey, if you're a hardcore fan, that's awesome. But uh, you know, for for what I'm trying to do, just the pure essence of sharing music, um, it's not it's not the experience I'm getting when I listen to other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorites is the DJ History podcast by Bill Brewster. I've discovered probably some of my all time favorite songs year to year just from that podcast alone. And his format is pretty much what I want to do. He Briefly introduces introduces the song, might say a little bit of something about the song, whether it's you know he might know the artist personally, um, but it's pretty much showcasing you know ninety percent if not the full songs, and that's that's the format I would love to do. So trying to navigate how can I figure out how to do that? The biggest barrier being figuring out the licensing, like trying to you know get a hold of artists or labels to figure all that out. That hasn't been the easiest road to try to. Especially with trying to discover new artists and, and do this at speed, like doing week to week, mm-hmm. that's a challenge. Now, that being said, I put things on pause briefly while I'm, while I'm reevaluating what my options are. And through um, you know meeting you guys and, and Save on Radio and as, as a bigger picture, I realized, oh, you guys are using Mixcloud to host a lot of your content. And I remember that's true. They do offer, or that's the advantage of that platform, is they take care of the licensing. I think the disadvantage is that uh, you had to be using Mixcloud's website or their app to listen to the content. So that, that's a fair trade-off to start, I think. So I'm looking at that as a potential avenue now to um, to host this podcast potentially. And there's, there's a few different avenues. It's it's really just taking time to reevaluate what do I want the show to be and what are going to be the best avenues for you know realizing it for people. 
Yeah, good stuff. Um, we're quickly running out of time, so I'm going to have to pare it down to like only three of a few questions. Fair we enough. should have had you on as a full-time guest. I'm, I'm like a full featured guest. We might do that. I in the appreciate future, that. But... If you ever want to have me back, I'm happy to. Oh, have... yeah. I guess uh, one that I do want to ask you about is what are you doing right now in terms of DJing? Like, are you working in clubs or anything like that? And what do you hope to accomplish as a producer and DJ like in the industry? What are some of your long-term goals? Yeah, I don't have a residency a residency anywhere at this time. I'm certainly open to taking gigs. Um, my full-time work has been probably the biggest uh, factor in kind of positioning my availability um, because I've changed uh, a couple of years taking on new jobs. The side hustle has been has been difficult as a result of that to you know pursue gigs. When, or, when the main hustle gets in the way of the side hustle, exactly. that's, that's a perpetual <laughs> challenge. Right. Um, so certainly if... If anyone is interested in, in hearing my work, um, don't mind me taking the time to plug. Oh, well, I had a question about plugging, so <laughs> well, just plug again, away. <laughs> for context, my website is djdain.com, D-J-D-A-I-N.com. It's where you can listen to the body of my work, including the various remixes I've done, um, some of the mix sets I've produced. I've been spending the last couple of years learning how to use new DJ software. I've moved on to more traditional two turntables and a mixer Serato setup. I, I know I cut my teeth using Ableton to DJ, which has worked well, but there's something about the more tactile experience of using turntables that I really love, and I want to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love, though, how like the new turntable setup is, you know, you're not actually scratching real <laughs> vinyl, but it still looks cool. Yeah, yeah, and and certainly the emulation and, and the way it translates, um, like you can... You know, well, like the thing right behind oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's you for do, actual yeah. vinyl. <laughs> Sorry, we got like a whole setup in the studio for those who are listening in that can't see what we're pointing at. <laughs> So yeah, as far as ongoing projects, um, the most recent stuff I've been involved in, uh, I for a time now I've been uh, a backing DJ and contributor for Francis Arevalo, um, Filipino-Canadian hip-hop artist uh, that, uh, God, absolutely kills it on everything I've heard him do. It's been a real honor to work with him. and, and should definitely and bring him on the show. Sounds absolutely. like he's a talented guy. Yeah, definitely, definitely get him on the show. And so I've had opportunities to work with him in the last couple of years, which has been great. Yeah, I'm. I'm really just open to new ventures. I've done, you know, a few private events here and there. Uh, so if people want to hear what I'm about, what I'm interested, what I'm interested in playing, and if it's a good fit, my website's a but is one of the best places to go. Uh, and you can reach out to me directly through there. Uh, my email address and stuff is on there. There's a contact form or anywhere on social media. Just hit me up. Um, I'm so always it's all, interested. In, all DJ Dane. So you're on Facebook, Instagram, yeah, Twitter. Fa- Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my website aggregates all those. You can get quick links to all that. And like I said, that's the best place to check out what I've already made to kind of hear what I'm about. Fantastic. Good stuff. Thank you, Andrew. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure, guys. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. So our featured guest for this episode is the badass soul rock and roll act Old Soul Rebel. Old Soul Rebel is a collaborative musical partnership between vocalist guitarist Chelsea D.E. Johnson and vocalist banjo player Lola White. Formed in 2015, Old Soul Rebel have received airtime on multiple local radio stations and have received coverage from the CBC, who named them one of the best new bands of 2016. They've shared the stage with the likes of the Zolas, David Beckingham, C.R. Avery, Esquay, Ada Victoria, Ray Spoon, Kenny Starr, No Sinner, and the Pack ad Before we dive into our interview, we want to do a quick round of introductions. Uh, just let listeners know who's who, what's your name, and what do you play in the band? What's up, everyone? My name's Chelsea D.E. Johnson. I'm uh, singing some vocalities, and I play electric guitar. Hey there, I'm Lola, and I do vocals as well, and I play electric banjo. Hi, I'm Michael, but these ladies call me River, and I play the drums. Getting in the Wayback Machine, uh, how did Old Soul Rebel get its start? <laughs> the Wayback Machine. Way back in the Wayback Machine, Lola and I were hanging around my old APT, and um, I had a gig in Edmonton, and I asked her to come along and uh, play some tunes. She also had the whip. <laughs> I had the whip, yeah. So uh, we asked our homie Ronnie Bernard, who's an incredible musician himself, to join us, and we were, um, we were called... Uh, the Outlaws. The Outlaws. We thought we were something. And we had the one gig, and it was really fun. And then uh, fast forward to uh, that summer, um, my bandmate got really sick. And so Lola said, well, you know, I know your songs from that gig that we did. And then really that's where Old Soul Rebel was born. 
There you go. Um, this applies to each of you, so I want to hear answers from everybody in the room. Uh, how did you first get your start playing and performing music, and did you start out as solo artist before forming the band? You want to get into it here? You go first. Um, so, where did I get my start? Yeah. Um, well, if I'm going to go back in the way back, in the back, back, way back machine, I... Um, I was a theater kid. My mom threw me in theater really young when I was about five. Heads over tails, just like get in. Get and on she the just stage. like get this uh, chick out of here. She's crazy. Get out of my house. The hell talk. I was ready. So um, I uh, I did theater until I was about eighteen, musical theater, and then I moved here to uh, Vancouver and was going to a open mic called um, oh where what was it called? It was uh, it was at a uh, Cafe Montmartre before they shut down on Main Street, and um, T T Paul Saint Marie. Uh, ran yeah, that yeah, guy. Before he passed on. Love that guy. Yes. And so I would go up there and I'd like talk about nonsense and act like I wasn't just freshly out of high school <laughs> and sing a couple songs. And then I met my good friend CR and he said, well, why don't you CR Avery asked me if I wanted to be on his, um, his album, The Boom Chasers. And that was my first kind of I had realized, like, oh, you can be a musician and you can, like, be a poet and you can, like, just do your art. Like, I came here wanting to be an actress and, like, jumped out of high school and, or, um, out of college. Like, yeah, dropped out of college and was just kind of like, I have no direction. So, um, yeah, I, I got into music and then when I was about 22, I jumped onto the road. I hitchhiked for the first time and I quit my job and I said, you know what, I'm going to start playing music for a living and, you know, I'm 31 now so that's been, uh, that's been my journey. I, I just decided that I wanted to be a musician and I've been doing so for the last, you know, 13 years, give or take. All right. Um, I've always had a strong proclivity for music at like a young age. Starting at around five, I was playing the, the B5 Hammond organ. And um, and then I went on to like yeah just various instruments like the saxophone and the guitar and the anklong. I got into like gamelan instrument instruments. What's an anklong? Hey, right? Yeah, what is that? I actually don't know what that is. <laughs> what, did you just make up a word? For <laughs> oh my anklong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I twisted it. Yeah, I explained saka. I totally just don't kick me in it. That's all. <laughs> It's uh, it's an Indonesian instrument, and it's part of the gamelan orchestra. Oh, okay, it's like this shaky, hollow instrument. Oh, cool. Yeah. Were you part of a gamelan? Yeah, when we lived in Jakarta. Yeah, I was wow. I was a Balinese dancer, and I also was part of the orchestra there. Oh, cool. And I How long did you live in Indonesia? Like, uh, I'm sorry, I got to talk about yeah, that for no, a little bit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents had a contract with CETA, which is the Canadian International Development Agency, Ooh. and um, we were over there when I was ages six to nine. And um, yeah, it was great. It's great to see. Yeah, just like music culture over there is obviously a lot different mm -hmm. um, and more sober. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then as for, I mean, I was always a performer. Um, I used to work with a company, and it became my company um, called Empire Circus Cabaret, and was quite successful. And after that was done, I kind of just feel like I fell into music. Like, I, I was always doing it as a closeted musician. Um, but like Chelsea said, like, I just I ended up in this band because I had a car. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you I didn't know. have the car, though. I but mean, I had some charisma, too, but right, girl? Yeah, of yeah. course. That's, I, I wouldn't have asked anyone I, with a car to yeah. come join me on I stage. I put the car back in charisma. There and that's how nice. I felt. Charming. Yeah, and I feel like it's definitely been, for me, less of a decision and kind of more of just like a fumbling towards finding, I don't know, an artistry within myself, so. But I feel determined now. Hell yeah, you are. Yeah, I feel good. It's great. Michael? Yeah, um, so I grew up in this small town called Smithers, and I think that was this huge part of it, because the town's crazy about fiddle music, and everybody oh, under and above the age of six to a million um, plays fiddle music and they bring in all these amazing mentors so um, I just I would watch all these fiddle players growing up and wanted to I wanted to play drums but my mom would sign me up for fiddle lessons and I'd go to these fiddle camps and I'd be the guy sneaking off to go try out the drum kit in the background and stuff and then when I was 11 she started letting me play drums and I ended up growing up playing drums to fiddle music which is um, unusual but yeah yeah, yeah. Right. Normally, normally it's um, like a skin, not a skin um, drama. Like a bob, bob someone just tap chewing. 
yeah, stuff like that, or, or like washboard, or rhythmic guitar. Yeah, but I would, I would sling a rhythm. I would play like drum kit to it. Farting his armpit. Sorry, your turn. Yeah, your turn. Well, Back yeah, to so you, Michael. There was this amazing group that I was playing with, and I got to work at a really young age, like 15 years old or something, with Daniel Lapp and Gordon Stoby, and um, just some fiddle legends from around the country. And so that was kind of. That's kind of how I grew up, and sweet. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize I was doing something weird with the drums. I didn't know that fiddle music was not supposed to have that. But then I ended up going to the Victoria Conservatory of Music to do to study drums, which is I just finished on Wednesday. Wow! Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Ooh, thank you. Totally. Um, but I went because Daniel Lapp, one of the guys I'd worked with growing up, was the head of the program, and so it's just kind of been amazing rediscovering that and realizing that that it was like really cool what I'd done. Just yeah. That was mm-hmm. kind of the, the background. Now, I do have a question that I'm hoping you can answer. I mean, I could Google it, but it's more interesting to ask somebody. What's the difference between a fiddle and a violin? It's the style of music they play. Oh, okay. Same. That's fiddle, right? <laughs> and violin's like... <laughs> wee, 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 That's the wee. definition right there. <laughs> I think that's it, yeah. It's, uh, it's the same instrument, it's just different style. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> it's based on your lifestyle choices. <laughs> um, How homicidal you are. <laughs> and again, we'll do a we'll do a round. Uh, right. What artists and bands inspired you to pursue a career in music? Let's say it together. Oh, actually, what is yours? Well, I mean, my mom was a musician growing up, so I, she she definitely brought music into my world for sure. But um. One, two, three. <laughs> Alabama shakes. Right now, presently. But like in the back in the day, I yeah, I grew up listening to I didn't say it with you. I'm sorry, no, you girl. did, you just laughed at me. <laughs> My mom was a very like she just she's like loves, 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 loves music. Music runs through her veins. We wouldn't have power, but we'd have like a box set of like Ella Fitzgerald, you know, and we wouldn't have money for groceries but she we would get like we were the first person to have a cd player on the block you know what i'm saying so i had we watched um uh uh on a mission with god what's that guy uh blues blues brothers <laughs> oh, yeah. we blues brothers all the time yeah. all the time you know and like have you seen the light <laughs> yeah 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 you know and there's um um all of those great amazing um, musicians in that groups or in that movie so I just I grew up with music with my mother and and I remember as a kid I'd always be like BB King is my hero and people were like what are you even talking about I listen to the Backstreet Boys which I also was getting down on the Ooh, Backstreet Boys for sure really? but you know I I loved I love blues and reggae and jazz and I mean that's because my mom's taste but um um and Nina Simone and like definitely have some Backstreet Boys in our music. <laughs> I'm a bottle dance now. That's not Backstreet Boys. Down, 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 Wait, what's Backstreet Boys then? Backstreet's back. All right. Down, 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 down. I mean, same decade, but that's true. Yeah. I'm a bottle dance now. But you know, all those, all those beautiful artists that everyone rattles off, and then. You're and then Backstreet Boys beautiful. That's no, awesome. not Backstreet Boys. <laughs> well, actually, their Netflix thing, their next Netflix video is really good. Oh, really? Oh my God, such tor- turmoil in their world. They have a, oh, they so have a documentary on Netflix. Yeah, it's really good. Really, hmm. I'm gonna watch I was like, that. damn, you guys are like. I was gonna say, there's a good Nina Simone documentary on yes. Netflix. Yeah, I want to see yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. if you have not seen it, it's it, amazing. I haven't seen it oh, yet. Yeah. So good. All right. I'm almost nervous to see it because I know her story is so sad. It it's sad, but it's. It's really good. It's worth a watch. Yeah. It's kind of like the Amy documentary. It's like, oh, oh this is... God. Oh, God. Remember, you left. You went for a I smoke. Left. I couldn't get back <laughs> in. <laughs> She's like, I'm freaking out of here. This is the saddest thing I've ever watched. <laughs> went for a smoke it's and couldn't get back in. Maybe to light up. <laughs> 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 I like, pipe after watching that movie. Wait, but let's say our favorite song. Or our favorite oh. artist together. We already... Again, no, I it? said it by myself. Okay, it's... Um, out. Two, three. <laughs> Alabama, Alabama Shakes. Shakes. Brittany from Alabama Shakes. Yeah, maybe she's listening. There you go. Brittany, if you're out there, we love you. Yeah, she knows that. We actually tried to contact her via Facebook. <laughs> Did bet. she look at it? Yeah, she remember she ignored it. They Aww. they read the message like two minutes later. Oh, yeah. that's okay. One day we'll meet her. I interviewed her actually for <laughs> what? Yeah. What do you mean? 
I, it was a, it was a telephone interview. I wish it could have gone better. I wasn't able to like get a good rapport going with her. Uh, she felt kind of like she must have been like on a bus or something because she sounded like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I don't know. It was a little cold, but oh damn, maybe yeah. she's a little Louisiana. Like she's kind of seems really laid back. That might have been it. sort of. Yeah. 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 It's so weird. I saw I, an interview with her Pharrell, and, and he was like, man, it's so great to be sitting here with you right now. And she's like, hey, man, just get to know me. Why don't we just, you know, and just like, she kind of like cut up. Anyway, I'm not bad talking. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not bad, bad talking to her either. <laughs> like, she's amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. but you couldn't get into the rhythm. I couldn't get into the rhythm. Mm-hmm. That, that happens sometimes when you interview different people. And, you know, I imagine if you're an artist of like a huge stature like that, and you had constantly have like, yeah yeah it's like oh here's a call from this guy writing for this magazine it's like yeah. okay answer his questions yeah 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 might yeah. be that she's yeah, great yeah, that. we love she her she is great uh-huh um mine was uh <clears throat> i was 16 and i was shopping at record line in calgary let me guess wait <laughs> no, I'm just do you know jumbawamba <laughs> yeah no no i just randomly picked up a, a cassette tape and it ended up being aretha franklin oh wow nice. Yeah, and I actually became obsessed with Aretha Franklin, and, and then it turned into, like, Stevie Wonder and, oh. you know, Sly and the Family Stone. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that just continues on. In fact, I just wrote a song yesterday, and it kind of feels Aretha Franklin-esque. Nice. Yeah. It's not a bad artist to be esking. No, yeah, I like esking her. And Esque. Like and Esque. And Esque. I really like Esque. You know Esque? Heard the name? I, I, I know I've heard a song. She's so good. She's yeah. an incredible indigenous uh, performer She's, that Lola grew up with. I, oh no, I've definitely she, they've definitely played some stuff of hers on CBC because yes, I do I definitely. do listen when they have a good program on. I do listen to radio too, mm-hmm. but it's like the only radio I listen to. If it's like opera in the middle of the day, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna throw in a CD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She did the first play live actually with them recently. Mm. Yeah, that was really good. And she was didn't she win a Juno? She was she nominated. nominated. Yeah, we got to see her at the gala. We were at the Juno Gala, and she was the last artist <coughs> to play that evening in front of basically all of Canadians, can- Canadians, Canada's like music industry. It was she pretty, rocked. It was, That's it was, cool. It was really special. Yeah, she rocked. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I guess uh, the first two albums I remember loving were Graceland by Paul Simon and Hot Rocks by the Rolling Stones. Nice. Just like all the hits. Yeah. That's a good combo. Yeah, Graceland was my mom's album, Hot Rocks was my dad's, and we had Hot Rocks on tape, so that's what I listened to in the car every day on the way to school, and then Graceland was my dance parties in the living room. Nice. nice. Yeah. Hashtag, what about people that don't listen to music? They grow up and they're like, my family didn't even play music. It's like, what? What the heck? Well, I mean... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know a couple of people are like, yeah, my parents just didn't even listen to music. I'm like... Ah, what kind of life is that? Like, <laughs> is music weird. was such a huge part of my upbringing that I couldn't I, imagine it. I guess drawing from my own personal experience, like my parents listened to music, but they weren't—they've never been like huge music fans in oh, okay. terms of like, oh my god, like you know, I have to see this band every day. They're not dismissive of it, but like my, you know, my dad was never like, son, you have to listen to like, here, here are the Beatles. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. It's like I do a lot of self-discovery. Yeah. On my own, like yeah. in high school. Thankfully, like YouTube and stuff like that made it a lot easier. But. Yeah. Well, I think doesn't everybody have that point when they're like 13 or something where they discover, like, I don't know, that you can find music everywhere and just figure out their own thing. And then once they turn yeah. 20, they're like, oh, yeah, no, actually, mom and dad had some good music too. And oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. I just started getting back into mom and dad's. Old. Like all their music. Collection. Yeah, totally. kind of well, because I, I guarantee rumors by Fleetwood Mac is in yeah, there. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Like yeah. every, every, I swear, every adult who's like 40 ish onwards oh, yeah. has rumors yeah. in their music collection. My dad just got me a record player, and then mom just every couple months or something sends me a new album, and it's like the doors show up in the mail or oh, her lucky. copy of. How is she sending it in the mail? They don't get broken or. I don't know. She packages them all. Right? Then bubble wrap and stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay, she, she, she was a, a little baby boomer, so she has Sgt. Pepper's from like around when it came out. She oh, saw, wow. She saw the Beatles live. It was, yeah, she's, she's Holy cool crap. Woman, yeah. Seeing the Beatles live because, you know, half their career they didn't tour. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. She probably didn't hear them, but I'm sure she saw them. <laughs> no, I'm sure she didn't hear them because that was Everyone's part of the reason screaming. why they. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. part of the reason why they stopped touring is because they're like, well, we can't even hear ourselves play. This is this is dumb. <laughs> you have you ever gone to a show where you just like actually lose yourself, where you're just like, I'm crazy yes, now. Yes, Tribe Called Red. I'm crazy now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did it Go with in. Alabama Shakes. Yeah. And once I did it, like, I regret this, but it was with NSYNC. I was standing there and all those women are like losing themselves and the girls that I traveled with like were wearing these shirts that they wore when they were like 13 like they were like in sync like fanatics they had like their rooms postered and I was just like oh my god I don't have any friends in this school like I guess I'm gonna kick it with these girls kind of situation and I get there and everyone's like wah and I roll I roll after I roll but as soon as they got on stage like something happened to me like I lost myself your ovaries dropped. I was just like, and then on the way back, we were like bumping the tunes. Like I was like, oh my god, like like there was, I just could not help but scream the whole time. I thought one of them looked at me. Like it was a whole thing. Wow, hey, like, I lo- and I wasn't Such charisma. I wasn't, you know, I was like eye rolling the whole way over. But anyway, so. amazing. Mm. Yeah. Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good question. Have you had a similar experience, Lola and Michael? <clears throat> Show where you just lose. Well, not with NSYNC. No, not with NSYNC, but I didn't say that. Losing yourself in a show. Yeah, probably Trap Called Red. I'm trying to think of another show where I've lost myself. Alabama Shakes. Come on. No? I don't think I lost myself. I feel like people were like, this person's crazy when I went, when we were there. (laughs) Ah, yeah, maybe. No, I can't think. I don't know. I know I've fallen asleep at shows. <laughs> right? What? I saw, saw Tortois, Tortoise once, or whatever they're called, at the Commodore, and I was like, wow, this is so slow. <laughs> well, they're, they're like post-rock, aren't they? Like post-rocky, yeah. math-rock. Well, yeah. I lied down, down on the table. you sitting down? I down on the table. I went to bed. I was like, peace out, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> this is just too much for me. Expensive uh, nap. You know who actually I've seen that I've lost myself? is Chelsea. Oh, that's, that's what you're saying. The what? first time I saw you was at Calabash, and me and Tara Flynn were sitting front row center. I don't actually know if there was a lot of people there, but we both were like, "What?" I think it was the first time I ever saw you what? before. Really? Yeah, and we both were we were so overwhelmed with the experience that we actually sat there and laughed hysterically for a solid ten minutes. <laughs> what? Like we, Whoa. we could not gather ourselves, and I was like, "I have no like, wise Yeah, it was crazy because I had met you a number of times, and it just you know. How do you know, right? So, you Whoa, know. you lost yeah. yourself Ooh. in my music. <laughs> well, look at us now, baby. <laughs> yeah, totally. Start making out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got a video camera? Put on. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Um, Maybe when I saw Ex-Ambassadors, um, I've been listening to them for a little while, and I got... I was so excited for the show. It was a festival in Victoria, and so I just I showed up really early in the day. And my only goal was to get front of the like right up against the fence mm-hmm. for X Ambassadors, and yeah, it was amazing. Their singer Sam is just like the most unbelievable stage presence, and then Casey, their piano player, is blind and wow, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, and he's uh, he's just got these crazy dance moves on stage. I don't know. He almost looks like he's being possessed while he's playing, but it's it's so great and the. Yeah, just his energy was amazing, and he was making eyes at my girlfriend a little bit, which I thought was pretty cool. Wait, the, the blind <laughs> piano? No, <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not I mean, noticing where he's looking at, No, Sam so was... I mean, he probably wasn't, but he was. they were playing Jungle, and he, he had this super hot dance. I don't know, I was getting bothered, and she was getting bothered. And, yeah. Oh, damn, okay. Yeah, the I real was, tea. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was dancing out. so hard that one of the people in the camera pit right in front of us turned around and took a picture of me, so I think I was probably looking, I don't know, kind of... A little cheesed? Kind of crazier, you know, like I just gotten ahead. I don't know. Yeah, I touched yeah. I touched his arm, so, you know. Right, and you're just like, touched his arm. I touched that person's arm. You like lose yourself. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, so Sam, if you ever hear this, I hope I can meet you before you hear this. I'm not actually crazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you I, I do love you. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess uh, for Lola and Chelsea, what's your songwriting process like as a duo? Like, do you collaborate on each song, or do you each just come to the table with a complete number, or how does that work? Well, we do write separate tunes, but we also write together. Yeah, we wrote... Um, the title track, Old Soul Rebel, at um, Squamish Music Festival. Actually, that 
that weekend we saw Alabama, Alabama Shakes. Yeah. yeah, we wrote it in the beer garden. Like we were just kind of were hashing it out. And but then we're also like in the music video, we'll be like next to this <laughs> car. <laughs> like, and I see your legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your legs yeah. will be. Yeah. <laughs> we figured out the music video before we. Were yeah, and Chelsea decided then and there that like, she was like, I don't know, but I'm gonna have to do like at least eight bars of like I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> she just repeats over and over again. So. Yeah. Feels so good to say that over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be interesting going into like our next album. How we'll like kind of do the process. I think we are gonna be doing some co-writing with people coming up. So. You'll see. I think we're pretty open to. Yeah, I feel like it was sort of like necessity of making our set. Yeah. You know, when we first got together, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, we got the gigs. Like, fake it till you make it. I got these tunes. You got those tunes. We'll figure out how we sing those together. You know, and then it was like, let's um. You know, let's write a cut. Let's write this tune together. Like there was lots of us just like, do you have time for rehearsal? I want to show you this quick song so we have like a full forty-five. You know, and then we were trying to build at least three set, three sets at that point. So mm-hmm. a lot of it was just us bringing our songs to one another. Um, but just like Lil said, the future is friendly. The future is friendly. <laughs> I just totally bit a commercial there. <laughs> yeah, and I I feel like we always are like. It's this like um, fantasy of ours of like, oh, you know, we should just like meet up, plug in, and just write, write, write. But we're friggin' busy to the Izzy, so yeah, we you know, do that. we want to though. We just recently started <laughs> rehearsing too. That was cool. We usually rehearse on stage, but yeah. now we're telling all our secrets. Yeah, yes, we collab true. and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think the future we're we're wanting to do more collaborations and 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 have specific old soul rebel teams. So Chelsea, you've played in at least five projects and currently active in two bands: old mm-hmm. soul rebel, obviously, and high society, along with performing as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you juggle three bands at once? Well, yeah, no, it's it's hard. Lola and I. Um, yeah, there's like a situ- there's like a moment almost every single day where I'm like, okay, I'm on it. I'm like, I talk to Lola. Me and Lola check in every day. And I usually talk to the guys every couple of days, and I check my own solo stuff, you know, every day. And it's like there's a moment where I'm like, I got it. I got a little bit of time to watch my little Netflix and watch some drag queens do their thing. And then it's like, bzz, 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 bzz. and then it's my phone's just like, okay, you have eight more things to take care of. Yeah, you know? it's like, um. Once Lola and I started just kind of being like, hey, we're going to take this seriously, it was like, um, the, it just you're just constantly working. Lola and I are just constantly working. We're constantly working. We're and constantly working. I feel like um, the CBC article actually really lit a, a fire under our ass. Thank you so much. I love you. Um, Free no. hot water delivery oh, yes. service so right into the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Such everywhere. service. Totally. It's like there's a restaurant built into this building or yeah, something. Yeah, hashtag best food in, in, in Vancouver. My so God. Good. Yeah, amazing. Oh, man, that burger was amazed. Mm-hmm. This uh, radio show brought to you by Save On Meats. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was our, our momentum. That was the impetus, I think, when we finally were like, you know. Like, it, we started treating it like a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was where it kind of switched over a little bit. And really, once Old Soul Rebel decided to go that way, I kind of just, like, it's starting, it just started kind of melting over all of my, like, for my solo stuff, you know. I'm just like, I should just be on top of it. I guess getting older, too. I I, I was a touring musician with High Society. We were, like, we were heavy road dogs, you know, in the early 2000s, 2010 onward. We would be on the road at least 20, 15, 15 days a week, a month, essentially. And then summer we tour for like three months. And we were just road dogs. So we were living in that vacuum, you know, you don't even check your Facebook. You're just on the road, next gig. And, um, and yeah, once Ulsa Rebel got into the mix, it's just like, yeah, I just, I think I wanted to take myself more seriously. And, and, um... I wanted to be good for Old Soul Rebel. I wanted to be an active member in that. So yeah, the work just never stops. I, I have no idea how, I don't think I'm balancing it as best I can, but 
Um, yeah, we need management. Yeah, we need. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But you know, I think we're doing pretty dang good. No, you know what? We're actually really good at like managing ourselves. Um, it's more just like booking. It's I think that's where our workload comes in. I think we're starting to hit this kind of like threshold where we're just like, wow, this is a lot of work. And yeah. It would be great if we had one other person. A designated email person, as it were. That's really all it comes down yeah. to. It's just like we need a secretary or something. <laughs> like it's just really. Or even Instagram, like managing, like yeah. it's Lola's been awesome with um putting on a, a little photo every couple of days or every day or whatever. But I have like three Instagram accounts. And it's like, if you want to be on top, like even just Instagram and Facebook. It's so much time. You know, it's yeah. like, you want to say the right thing. It's like, yeah, I would love to have a secretary that I could just be like, um, I really wanted to talk about the flowers today. Can you like whip something up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. No, that's, that's the, and you want to temper your narcissism as well. Like, you know, you got to keep that in check, too. Where you're just constantly talking about yourself mm -hmm. all the time. It's like, holy moly. That only really works if you're, like, a rapper. So that's <laughs> right? I'm the best shit in the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. In Look, I'm in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> I know. Look, I'm in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's half of it, right? <laughs> yeah, that is half of it, really. <laughs> um, Lola, are you involved in any other projects besides Old Soul Rebel, or is this the the gig for you? Yeah, this is the gig for me right now. Um, I'm also a dancer, so that for a while was taking up a lot of my time. Um, yeah, just practicing and studying the art. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of monogamous. I had in the back of my head, though, I, I might start a small side project um, just with some of my older work that I produced and kind of want to just I have a vision for it. So but Ooh, uh, yeah. like dance project? No, it's in more like surrounding like um, my indigenous roots. Awesome. And, um, just pulling on board like other indigenous artists that I know. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, just Heck like I yeah. just keep seeing like a, a really cool live video in like a black box theater setting and just like these three songs that I wrote. They're pretty like heavy. It's kind of like a early 90s like grunge rock. Mm. Like it's just like I mm. just want to I want to be I like um, I just really want to do some self gratifying and just mm -hmm. do what I want to do like really like to the T. Just record stuff kind of for yourself, like material yeah. that you've had floating around. Yeah, exactly. Not worry about like the commercial side of it or any sort of side of it. Just like me, just like gushing. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of music, right? There's, yeah. That's what I got into music for was the healing aspect of it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's any great. opportunity to like write for your soul, for your heart, for mm -hmm. your sadness, for your growth is opportunity yeah so great oh awesome i'm happy to know yeah that's I didn't know well, that beautiful little well thing, well put actually that's kind of more what i meant to say but yeah so obviously chelsea's been on the touring circuit since 2008 what as a unit old soul rebel what's your experience been like as touring musicians we're good on the road yeah we we're also sometimes fun. we feel hectic bobectic but we're usually just on it we're you know it's great we've had some really great opportunities and a lot of support Touring in Canada was funny, right? Because you're, you're sometimes driving for, like, 12 hours. So it's, yeah. like, mm -hmm. to keep morale up for that long is, like, by the <laughs> end of it, you're, like, you're kind of annoyed, you know? So it's, like, but it's, you feel like you, we always just get back into the, it's, like, it's, once you get into the space, you're like, okay, yeah, get your food. Okay, sweet, the people are here. Boom, boom, boom. Let's get on mm. stage. But, um, yeah. yeah. We share like this uh, similar lifestyle, so it makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Like we eat the same foods and stuff. We like the same things, so it doesn't. You know what I mean? We're not at odds at like what we want to do in our free time on the road. It's like, yeah, I'd love to go do some yoga, like in that ditch over there, <laughs> right? And then we'll go get a salad. Ditch yoga. <laughs> yeah, there's yoga. a hashtag. Get yeah. that going. Ditch yoga. No, seriously. Like, Join there's us a, in the ditch. There's a post for some sort of arts and culture blog. It's just like, oh, the new thing. Get that on BuzzFeed. It's like, ditch yoga. Oh, my God. It's sweeping God. the nation. So true. You, it become viral for sure. <laughs> you. No it's one the only that yoga that's, that's untapped yoga right there. Yeah. Hashtag ditch Lola. Yeah, ditch Lola. There we go. Yeah, hashtag just ditch Lola. Loga. Oh, Loga. Loga. Even better. It's, now it's really mine. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the most notable venues, festivals, shows that you've had the chance to play, and do any of them stand out as your favorite? I'm, one off the top of your head, one, two, 
Three. Edge of the world. Yes. Last year we got to go to the Edge of the World. It was so much fun. It yeah. was the best festival ever. Are we going this year? I don't know. Let's call them. Oh, we gotta call them. So, Edge of the World, just for listeners who don't know what that one's about, including me. <laughs> Edge of the World is located in Haida Gwaii. Um, it's an incredible, incredible festival run by such a great team. Um, aw, I think those people were listening to the radio. Hello, if you can see us still. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a non-for-profit society, too, because I remember them saying that they don't make any money. A lot of it's volunteer-based. Oh, wow. Oh, and it's it just, like, so the best good. vibes. It is and so good. Hadagwai is just, like, such a, like... Everyone's like, ooh, Hadagwai looks so magical. Like, once you get there... It like, is. And it so is. It so is. Everything it's like Shambhala. Like, everyone who comes back from Shambhala is like, I was just in Shambhala, Yeah, man. they have, like, all these, like, <laughs> lingos that you're like, what like, are I was dressed up as a it? unicorn for, like, three days, and my life has changed. Yeah. <laughs> but I would even say it's probably better than Shambhala. I've never been Ooh, to Shambhala. There's not, claim. like, a drug was, vibe there. It was, like, it's the best like, festival we've ever been to. Like... It was the best festival. The Zola Family played. vibes. David Beckingham from Hey Ocean played. Asquay performed. was there. But it was just like, it was more, yeah, it was like the energy, like, like in the green room alone, it was just. Oh, the food was so impeccable. Was like, like greens from the land, yeah, fish from the land. Incredible. Family vibes. Family vibes. Like, yeah. oh, uh, uh, the best kid performance at the end of the festival. It was so good. Okay, but the best part about the festival, though, was when I asked, um, I'm not going to say who I asked, but I asked someone if they had any mushrooms because they grow on the land there. Because um, one of the guys who works there was like, anything you want, you just ask me, like anything. And I was like, well, do you have any mushrooms? And he was like, yep, yeah, totally. Just like pulls it out of his pocket, like the nicest chocolate I've ever eaten. And then Chelsea comes along and she's just like, well, can I have a little sample of that too? Next thing you know, we bust out onto the stage while... Who was DJing? The guy from... Um, Zola's, wasn't he? No, it was the other guy. He DJs is downtown. From Dirty Radio was on the stage. And Chelsea and I just... We kind of forgot that we were high. <laughs> we, like, and I also busted. really don't do psychedelics. So it was no. kind of like... Even the fact that I was like... Ooh, I'll have a bite of that. It was like new for me too. So I like I yeah. Didn't Chelsea remember. never does that stuff, mm. and she had said like I'm not gonna do that. And I'm like, but then when she saw it, and it was just such a lovely feeling. And so it's like all of us were on the stage, and then at one point, one of the girls was dancing, and she knocked over this whole installation and like almost killed herself. <laughs> oh my god! And then Chelsea and I come back off the stage for a second. Chelsea's like, "What's going on?" <laughs> and I'm like. Dude, you're high. <laughs> you're like, I'm not sure. And she's like, oh, yeah, let's get back out there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then we went back out. And it was just We were doing hit them fugs. It we was were, out of control. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Lola, Lola like, picked it. up, like, a bottle of water and did that classic, like, spray the audience with water. Yeah, like, yeah. we thought we were something. It was we great. thought we were rock stars. <laughs> yeah, anyway. it's great. Also on touring. Uh, what's uh, one lesson you learned from touring that you'd want to share with a young musician or band heading out on the road for the first time? You want to go first, Bob? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to say? I feel like, you know what, go out and experience everything once, but then, you know, try to figure out what your boundaries are and mm -hmm. what your limitations are. And, you know, understand that your body is your instrument. So, you know, you, you can't just constantly be like using and abusing it day in and day out. Like you really, you know, a lot of musicians out there, I don't think a lot of people know this, but like they take really good care of themselves. A lot of them, you know, mm -hmm. go on vocal rest, they eat well, you know, they exercise, sleep, they exercise. Yeah. Like, I think it just like, outer appearances you know you just kind of kind of come across like you know you're just really kind of rough around the edges but i just yeah no i think the reality is is like if you want longevity in the business you know you got to figure out your like regime but of course like if you're ever in Haida Gwaii, like do some mushrooms and like <laughs> throw water on people and like have that experience you know what i mean like figure yeah. out what it is you like and you don't like but, but don't get addicted don't no you know, don't do that no well, I, th I think you touched on something important, and I, I hate to hate to use him as an example, but uh, Avicii's very yeah. untimely passing. Yeah. From what I've heard, uh, you know, it being tied to, to liver damage and liver disease and stuff yeah. like that, I'm mm -hmm. going to guess, I hate to speculate, but I'm going to guess the drinking might have caught up with him so. in a very physiological way. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's reality, and it's like, you know, we... We definitely um, 
as artists, it's like we're always in environments where things are given to us for free or like. It's hard to say no. It is. And it's like, and you know, we do a lot of our sets in bars and there's lots of liquor. And so, yeah, it's just like at a certain point, you've got to like realize that you've already had that experience a billion times. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like try to make something more of it, you know, and remember that you're really there for the artistry and to uplift people. I mean, that's my take on it anyway. Can't speak for anyone else here, but yeah. Yeah, I would say sort of the same thing. Um, um, but, you know, when you're booking, if you're wanting to go on a little jaunt, go, you know, tour around uh, BC or wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get your guarantee. Figure out what, how they pay you. Yeah. Um, if it's guarantee, if it's by the door, you figure that out before you get there. Or if you didn't figure it out, as soon as you get there, make sure you talk to the right person. Make sure you make sh- uh, you get your free food. They usually give you food, and that they set you up with a place to stay. Venues usually have all that stuff taken care of. Um, don't always have the burg like uh, my, I have done. Get yourself a salad from tea to tea, and just like Lola <laughs> said, it's like think of the next gig. You know, if it's um, if uh, the next gig's a big one, well, you don't need to have those four free free drinks, or you like keep no. it at the four. Whatever whatever is your limit, but like. Always think about the next one and take your nights off of um, of partying and going out. Um, a good portion of b- creating community is after the show. So, you know. Yeah, like our office hours out, are like 9 to 2. <laughs> yeah, figuring out how to like still be. And it's it's like, it's dope to be able to hang out with all these people and remember with the conversations the next morning. But on the other, like even... Aside from like the drinking and and you know and being offered drugs and all that jazz, like just make sure you get your little checklist and it's guarantee door, food, place to stay, who you in contact with, you know. Lay off the burg. Lay <laughs> off the burg. Get, get a salad. salad. <laughs> I'm telling myself all of that as well. <laughs> yeah, totally. All great pieces of, of advice. <laughs> so how can people follow you and listen to your music and check out what you're doing? We have our website, oldsorebel.squarespace.com. Um, and check out our Instagram. Lula and I are always posting some cute little pictures of us hanging around the city doing our thing. Facebook? Face Bizzle. We got some stuff up on um, U-Tizzle. Um, you know, check us out. Insta-Zizzle? Insta-Izzle. And all of our Izzles, actually, there's like a portal between all of our Izzles, so you can just like hop around and get through one to the other. His hop-a-rizzle. His hop-a-rizzle. <laughs> it's super... That's my dad coming through. Super Izzle. <laughs> Do you have now the the songs that you have on your website are demos? Do you have kind of a timeline on when your album might be coming out? We no, yeah, we're kind of um, still in the prisos. Yeah, we're still in the prisos. We're gearing up to co-write with somebody in Toronto, hopefully, like in the next two months, and then I think that will shape when um, the launch is. No, the launch, the release. Yeah, yeah, but soon, soon in the next few in the next few months. Yeah. Good stuff. This we'll decade for sure. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep our eyes out, and I'm sure we'll 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 know when it's uh, when it's going to be launched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll make it make it known for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah so thanks for fun. having us. Thanks. We've appreciate so it. so much about one another. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for listening. We're your hosts, James Olson and Travis Noel. So Pacific Sound Radio is produced by Gene Fraze. Travis, how can people check out what we're doing? Ah, you can check us out on our Facebook, Pacific Sound Radio, as well as our Instagram, at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter, Pacific S Radio, YouTube, Pacific Sound Media, as well as our website, PacificSoundRadio.com. If you know a band or artist that you think should appear as a guest on our show, let us know. Parlor Panther. <laughs> okay, so we got one suggestion from before. Perfect. Uh, you can fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com. We'll be back next week, April 29th, where we will be hosting the Alt Pop Quartet Rio by Night. Oh. As always, we are live on the air every Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m., only on Save On Radio. Have yourselves a good night.